before we get to the new entry Whoa, in the omnibus cold open for the very first time we just want to make a very special announcement Futurelings and listeners and uh, radio stations around the world of all eras of all time of all types and and times and species omnibus project as of today is an independent podcast an independent entity and reference work this is the very first entry in the time capsule that we are releasing not under the imprimatur of our friends at uh, how stuff works stuff media now and, uh, now a wholly owned subsidiary of I Heart Media. Media. Uh, we are, our show started on How Stuff Works, and uh, they've been a they've been a fine host and a fine friend. But we felt like we needed we needed independence. It was time for Omnibus to be its own grown up. Partly because the salt mines where we're going to store all these archives. Uh, needed to be a wholly owned subsidiary of Omnibus Project. We have acquired the land in Wyoming, <laughs> and we are ready to go. Uh, anyway, so that's going to change some things about the show. Uh, advertising is going to change. We're going to have uh, oversight over the ads that run on the program. Creatively, the show should not change. It has all the same a- has, aims and goals and aesthetic that you, you are you are probably uh, uh, long weary of right right it has ken and it has me we have a bell uh, <laughs> what else do you need <laughs> uh, but we are going to launch a patreon to help us fund the uh, the purchase of the salt mines and the the maintenance of the solar panels that are going to keep this archive if patreon or a similar crowdfunding uh mechanism exists in your era uh and it would it would and it would delight you to be part of this endeavor we invite you to Go to patreon.com slash omnibus project and get in on the ground floor. That's patreon.com slash omnibus project. <laughs> Do you have to type in uh, code omnibus? Uh, I don't, yeah, that's right. For 20% uh, additional <laughs> donations. Yeah, to, to donate to the show. more, you could type omnibus. Also, we can refinance your credit card debt at patreon slash omnibus project. Uh, we uh, would appreciate uh, any uh, expression of your. Love for the show. It will help us uh, move forward as an independent reference work and time capsule. That's right. Uh, please promote us to all of your friends and family, especially the wealthy ones. Get get, uh, get the word out there about Omnibus as we uh, as we uh, venture out into this brand new chapter of our lives as as independent operators. I've I've always been an independent media person. Ken, Ken has been uh, just a, a slave of, of big media his I've whole career. I've been a smooth operator <laughs> my whole career. Smooth operator. Uh, and this is our chance to for Omnibus to uh, join us in the independent sphere. So without further ado, your first independent Omnibus. And receiving this message. We are Ken Jennings and John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. 
You have accessed entry 803.MT2220, certificate number 2720. The short certificate number. Perhaps our shortest yet. The monkey selfie. The monkey pressed the button. Um, I've got no qualms about that, but uh, the work that went behind it in terms of putting the camera on a tripod, setting the image up, it wasn't that the monkey stole the camera, went behind the bush and photographed it all by itself. It required a large input from myself, and that's why I hold copyright. Uh, John, I follow you on Instagram. Yeah, that's, which, that's uh, a great experience. Which still exists here in the early 21st century. <laughs> You're telling me it's a great experience? Yeah, it is. I, I, it's a great experience uh, for you to have the honor of me following you? No, I'm just <laughs> saying following me on Instagram is a great experience regardless of who you are. Looking at pictures of the Vilnius City Hall mm-hmm. is a great – it's true. And I, I, from your Instagram, I gather that you are – although we are of the, of the same generation, you are part of selfie culture. Yes. With a capital S and yes. a capital C. I realized at, a, at an early point along the way that the, the resistance to joining selfie culture is part of this whole like reaction to vanity that's, uh, I think, a pretty human um, uh, inhibition. Right, we're, we're suspicious of people who are not self-deprecating. Is that what you mean? Well, if you think about it, I mean, every religion has a comment about vanity. Vanity is a thread throughout literature, like vanity uh, go, goeth before a fall. We're, we're all very cautious, and, and, and in contemporary terms, even distancing ourselves from a moral component to it, vanity is unseemly. It's impolite. To talk about your accomplishments, right, and for, maybe for good reason. I mean, not all not all people who talk themselves up are narcissists, but all narcissists certainly talk themselves up. Uh-huh. So there's a related cluster of personality types that you avoid. But you also even even if you you just consider a person sitting in front of a mirror all day, uh, examining their either their beauty or their flaws, it feels like. Uh, not just a waste of their time, but also uh, like a, a mental disorder or a, a sign that something isn't uh, isn't right in their. It might world. be to the detriment of them caring about other larger concerns. And so, selfie culture, which is which is kind of um, at its grossest, you know, a, a like a terrible car crash, and then someone stands in front of it and tries to get it in the background. You know, do, do you remember that picture of the guy where the the uh, he was in a plane crash? And he was floating on a raft and took a selfie of himself with the with the plane in the background sinking. It was a genius selfie, absolutely genius. It's a it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. But the but the idea that he wanted himself in the photo rather than just documenting the plane crash was was pretty hilarious. And we've all seen it. We've all seen every event you're at now. There's someone trying to take a selfie. But here's the thing: I don't actually mind it i i was always told i like i took the world's most boring vacation photos because i would just take a picture of the building or of the tomb or of the waterfall or whatever it was and later you don't want that it just becomes somebody's some dad's boring living room slideshow in 1965 you want to see you in front of the waterfall or you and your friends and family in front of the waterfall not just you but i the insight i guess that i got in looking at Instagram where you're just looking at other people's idea of, you know, what they're trying to, what, what their photographic slideshow is and what they want the world to think of them of them. Yeah. And I realized that every single picture on Instagram is a form of selfie. 
if you're out taking pictures of the roses in your garden, you're not doing that because anybody wants to see the roses in your garden. You're doing it because these because you want to be seen and known as someone who is taking pictures of the roses in their garden. Right? You it is you are promoting a version of yourself on Instagram. There's no other reason for it. It is not an archive of your photos. It's not a photo album. It's a social media sharing space. And if I look at someone's feed and it's just photos of their dog or their uh, or their roses, after a while, the the vanity is there. It's soaked in vanity. It's just the vanity that anybody cares about your dog. And what we really want to see is you. That's why I'm following you on Instagram. It's not to see pictures of your dog. It's not to see your curation of what you think I want to see. What I want to see is you. It starts to feel weird and anonymous if there's if there's too much where you don't see the person. Weirdly, like it it starts to feel sterile or no, well, no, it's the opposite. It feels like your self consciousness. Oh right, is the is the ghost in the room. The fact that you won't put a what selfie weird up. facial deformity <laughs> or just like, what's your problem? Get <laughs> over yourself. It ends up feeling like you have a, you have a bigger, you have a bigger vanity in not posting a occasional photo of yourself just to contextualize. Like, who is this person that loves roses? Who is this person that loves their dog? Show us you, your face, your, that's, that's the whole business of social media. Yeah, you want a tour guide. You want a Rod Serling right. to walk you through this life. So I started, I started putting up selfies unapologetically because I recognize that people every once in a while want – and you know, and you can still be self-deprecating. and Selfie-deprecating? Self, Selfie-deprecating. Selfie-deprecating-y. Right. You, you, you often do the ironic distance in your, yeah. yes, here's me standing in front of the thing. Here I am. I think I look really good. <laughs> I'm super handsome right now. Often it's the ironic self-deprecation that borders into like self-praise, you know? Well, and also there is a, there's a vernacular of selfie. And you can play within that vernacular, sure. right? You're not you're, you're not, cute, RN. Might delete later. <laughs> That's right. Or like I don't have a selfie stick, but you can kind of get that sort of selfie stick. Uh, here's me in front of the plane crash stuff. Because that's because you have arms that are three and a half feet long. That, but also because I've looked at knowyourmeme.com <laughs> so many times, I know every style. I know every selfie style, and I feel like I'm not. I, I feel like most of the people I know who are on Instagram. Uh, whether or not they are the Instagram has a theme or not, whether it's, I mean, I have friends that like, there's an Instagram that I follow that's just bathrooms in the back stages of rock clubs. But every once in a while, unless it's something that's that where the, where the owner is completely invisible, even the guy that does like vanishing Seattle pictures of all the buildings that are getting torn down in Seattle. Every once in a while he puts his picture in there. Cause you have to, yeah. otherwise it's like the unseen character on the sitcom. When do we get to see <laughs> Maris or Vera or whoever? Like, it's really like, stop, you know, show us Blofeld's face, damn it. Yeah. But I, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy Instagram, even though I know it's a wholly owned subsidiary of Facebook, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of Satan. Of Satan. That's right. Uh, but I still, it's still one of the places on the internet where I feel like there's not a ton of toxicity. It's still somewhat playful. I find that most backlash to selfie culture, first of all, is stupid because for the, all the whole time photography has been in existence, portraits have been more interesting than shots of 
Yosemite National Park. Right. Sorry, Ansel Adams. Canceled. <laughs> well, like, cancel Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Burn. But also because uh, a lot of the crit- critique tends to be misogynistic, I think. Oh, interesting. You know, because we associate selfie culture with w- young people and particularly young women. Right. And often it becomes, you know, who are these vain, shallow, young things to well, be, constantly the, be flaunting their youth and, and beauty and shallowness. The, the filter aspect of it, too, and, you know, there are a lot of selfies where where there's an overlay of some kind sure. of... Um, Puppy nose, big eyes. Yeah, that that becomes its own language and a thing that. But who created the world where women got the impression that they should look good in pictures? That you know, it's not like we're innocent. You know, Satan? <laughs> are we back to Satan again? I think it might be Satan <laughs> operating, operating through one of his best uh, instruments, men. That guy. <laughs> Uh, so like, you know, why not? Why shouldn't young women take control of their image and have big kawaii eyes or, uh, I don't actually use these filters. What are there? Well, is there? I mean, there's so many, but there's no, there's no reason not. And, and the thing is there would there, the criticisms, you know, they come through proxies. There, there are just as many, if not more women who are yelling at young women about self- taking selfies. This, there are men. It's a, we're afraid of youth. We're afraid of unselfconsciousness, yeah. and that's another, and that's a big part. I think is unselfconsciousness seems dangerous to those of us who walk around in a in a prison of of like self awareness and and shame. Yeah, look how confident and unmediated these, yeah. these young people are. <laughs> I, how I hate it. When, when will they be destroyed th- by gonna, shame like I was? I'm going to write a think piece for The Atlantic about it. <laughs> Is there a Popeye filter? That's what I would use. R. I, I don't think Popeye says R. Doesn't he say Have R? Have you ever heard of Popeye? Uh, Popeye. He's a pirate, He's right? A Who chicken, says R? Right? <laughs> like, I want a filter that makes everyone kind of, like, it makes your eyes kind of squinty. Mm-hmm. It gives you one, like, a big bicep with an anchor and then a little tiny tricep. A um, corn cob pipe, a corn cob pipe, and a big lantern jaw. You, you look like the grandma from Little Abner. <laughs> that's what. I, wait, so to you, that's a that's a mainstream reference, but you don't know who Popeye is. <laughs> you were born in the very narrow window when Popeye had gone out, but the grandma from Little Abner. <laughs> uh, there are every kind of filter you can make yourself. You, you've surely seen the ones recently with that where the where the Russian government figured out a way to capture all of our photographs by making uh, us look. Old. old or young. I took one things. of me and I looked like you. Yeah, I know. Right. If I, and I didn't do it because, one, I, I don't want the Russians to know what I look like, although they already do. But also I didn't want I didn't want to look any older than I do. <laughs> I already look like a filter of an old John Roderick put over me. I feel like it's a good, it's a good fortuitous omen to see what you look like old because yeah. that means you're going to survive to be that age. You've created – you've put in the mind of the universe – Here's what I'm going to look like in my 70s. Please do not drop a grand piano on my head as I walk down 3rd Avenue. Those, that filter really was great. It's very I, convincing. I, I saw some pictures of friends where I was like, wow, that is what you're going to look like old. And you look great. I do love looking at old movies and TV where they put age makeup on the lead. And we now know what William Shatner looks like old. And it's not like that. No. Because they just look like themselves with like kind of grease paint under their eyes or some, some of that high school musical, uh, high school play white stuff in their hair. But this filter somehow manages to take the collagen out of your skin. It, it knew what kind of toupee I was going to get and when. <laughs> Put me in a baggy sweater. What I'm afraid it doesn't know is like how much weight I'm going to gain. That's true. And I'm super, I'm grateful. There should it's... be a slider so you can go, whoop, whoop, whoop. 
Some selfies are actually filter-free and unmediated and actually capture what the moment looked like. And often, you know, we'll throw away 19 selfies to get the one where we looked really good. Right. But sometimes the first one comes out right. And it's often the case for you. Well, it's for the, an attractive man. It's like the, you. Yeah. It's the case of, of um, almost every creative thing I've found is that you do a thing and often you do a thing just even as a test. Like let's just run this one time and try, you know, you put pen to paper or, uh, take a selfie or you lay down a vocal track and then you listen to it or you look at it and you go, I, yeah, I can do, I can do that one better. And you immediately begin to mediate what was a spontaneous or su- semi spontaneous, uh, creation of a thing. And then you can do, you can do 40 more takes. You can take 40 more pictures and you end up going back to the first one. It's, it's not um, just because it was an accident. There was something pure and, uh, and visceral and, yeah, and and your desi- intuitive about the first attempt. What your desire is is to somehow make your double chin less prominent. But as soon as you start to put your, jut put your chin out, then or all put of a sudden, your tongue on the roof of your mouth. Yeah, then future legs. If you have a tongue and a mouth, it makes your chin, your chin look a little smaller. I've never ever talked Don't do it while you talk. Don't do it in a video. You're Scrooby Doo. Uh, as Popeye would say, <laughs> retro Reggie. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I do feel like first takes are often, uh, often end up, and it's very hard to just take a take, do, do a first take and be like, there it is. I never do. I never do a second take. One take Roderick. Cause you always him. want to, you know, you always want to try and better it. And sometimes you can. There is data on this. I've seen studies of beginner's luck, which says that beginner's luck is actually a thing. And it's for that very reason. You know, the first time you try to do something, you're just going on intuition and muscle memory, which I guess are very, not muscle memory, but you know, your body's yeah. internal sense of how to move and where stuff goes and how to sound and look. And once you try to mediate it, that goes away. Like I have been skeet shooting once oh. in my life uh-huh. and I was so good at it. <laughs> like like, incre- like you, you kind of think like, you know, what are the odds that I can shoot a thing flying through the air with a, a rifle? I've never held a rifle. It's a, it's a shotgun, though, which which does oh, make it easier. That makes it a lot easier. Slightly easier. Well, now I understand Sending why I was so good. Lots of bullets. That makes, a, of- <laughs> that makes it a lot easier. But I've never held a shotgun either. Right. And and I was pretty good. And I, I looked up beginner's luck, and it turns out, yeah, that's your brain is intuitively has evolved to be good at you know aiming at stuff or bowling or whatever the task is. But as soon as you try to think, ah, I bet I can get a little better at this, as soon as you become more conscious of what you're doing, your performance slides. There was one particular night in a little roadside bar in Romania where I was the greatest pool player who had ever lived. I'm glad this is not a sex story. And they, Well, and then later. <laughs> uh, it resulted in me being the greatest Romanian sex lover of all time. And it's sex lover. It's a different kind. But no, I mean, they, they carried me out of that bar on their shoulders. I was, I was this incredible pool shark. It was not the first time you'd ever played pool. But it it's the first time you shot pool in Romania. It was the it was the it was just one of those nights where I was where I put no thought into what I was doing uh, because I was You became a beginner again. I did. I was it was I was an absolute beginner because of substances you'd ingested. I was a I was a born again virgin. No, I was I was uh, I was clean and sober many years at that point. No, it was just that I think it it was a thing where there was so much else going on in my life you and couldn't. in that moment that I couldn't think about pool because I was you know I was absolutely just 
just swimming as hard as I could to keep my nose above the water. It's nice, right? That we all have a really good pool player, a really good skeet shooter, a really good selfie taker inside us. Yes. If we can just unleash it. Yes. It's a nice thought. You know, Ken, 98% of our brains are busy doing artwork <laughs> the know, entire time. In my opinion, 98% of our brains is just showing up. When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free, plus $20 off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com slash iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. That's butcherbox.com slash iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. Sometimes the great selfie or the great first attempt or whatever is an accident. And I think that's exemplified by our story today of a very unusual selfie that was taken in 2008. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the island of Sulawesi uh, lives a primate called the Celebes Crested Macaque. Oh, sure. I know the Celebes Crested Macaque. The CCM. Yeah. Celebes being the old name for Sulawesi. I think it's kind of a Bombay-Mumbai thing Mm -hmm. where I'm not supposed to say Celebes anymore. No, it's uh, is it is it Bangladesh? Is it Kampuchea? Which is it? Do you remember? <laughs> Cambodia is Kampuchea. Cambodia is not Kampuchea. No, Kampuchea is uh, the it's like the Pol Pot name. You're not that's the it's not the Khmer Rouge name for it. Now we're supposed to say Cambodia. Now Burma and Myanmar is the fraught one because Myanmar is official, but it's also like been was made official by a military dictatorship. So are you giving lip service to awful Burmese military dictators when you agree to their Myanmar language? Right. Uh. In this case, I'm going to say Sulawesi for the island, and I'm going to say Celebes for the macaque. Okay, I think that's And if that's, a, that's insufficiently woke, I will wait to get your letters. No, that seems, that seems right. I mean, uh, Duran Duran made their, uh, made their uh, Rio video in Sri Lanka with Ceylonese macaques. <laughs> Why is it on the Rio record? It should have been on their Sri Lanka record. <laughs> Uh, this is a, the macaque is a, a monkey that lives on Sulawesi and I think another nearby island. The locals call it the Yaki or the Wolai. It is critically endangered. Only 5,000 or so of these monkeys left on Sulawesi because they're having, they're having a hard go of it. It's as you might expect, habitat loss. Right. It's people cutting down trees for, for wood and, and for fields. The, the, the island was formerly big enough to support a viable community of macaques. Yes. But uh, now Indonesia is one of the most populous nations. It's one of the fastest growing and most populous nations on earth. I think it might be fifth in population after the, you know, right after the United States um, or right after Russia, whatever is in fourth now. Uh, and, you know, just sky, skyrocketing. It's, I think it's the most populous Muslim country. It um, is. I knew that. And Russia does not have as large a population as one might think. Russia is shrinking. Uh, and it never had as many people in it as the United States. We used to be – I thought. I think we were briefly fourth after the USSR. But you're right. Russia 
alone is like 120,000 120,000 people 120,000 people it's about the size of Olympia Washington <laughs> i think it's like a, i think it's like 120 million people a lot less than you than you might think there are more people i think in in uh, there are more russians in brooklyn there are definitely more people in pakistan than in russia yeah yeah and it's i think it's and uh, indonesia would be ahead of them both right yeah, and bangladesh yeah. is top 10 even though it's tiny uh, the other reason why macaques are threatened is not just because of a uh, burgeoning population, but because apparently they are awful neighbors. Oh, they're bad people. <laughs> well, they're bad macaques. Right. As people, maybe they're great, <laughs> but they, you know, they're pests. They, they will eat your crops. They'll throw stuff at you from the trees. They're annoying. And when they had a lot of land to themselves, that was fine. They could annoy each other. I have neighbors like that. But now they're, now they're annoying Indonesian humans and it's not going well, uh, because, Apparently, also, they're delicious. What? Well, you know, when you live places without a lot of access to, to protein, meat or other protein, you eat what meat there is. Bush meat. We say bush meat for this. And I thought bush meat was just monkeys. But it turns out bush meat is anything unusual you eat because there's nothing else. Like pygmy hippos are a very popular bush meat source right. in Africa. And that's why, there's, that's why there's not enough pygmy hippos anymore. Uh, the term's a little problematic, though, because when... A middle-class white person goes into the woods and shoots something. We call it game. Uh-huh. It's only when someone in the developing world eats something that we go, ew, bushmeat. Well, it's, uh, you think about the, uh, the game that we have at our disposal in the, in, uh, the Americas and Western Europe. Mm-hmm. And we have a fairly limited selection, and most of them are ungulates. They're deer. They're deer and they're hogs. And birds. rabbits, if you're if you don't if you're not hungry, right? Rabbits, fowl. They're cute, maybe. So, like, that's that's no better than killing a pygmy hippo or a cute little monkey. But but when you think about eating like a seal, um, if that, I think I would say if I think about eating a seal, you, I don't know if I think. Have you never thought about eating? I seal am right or now. A walrus Hold or on. a whale? Hold on, I am right now. Tricky. They're, they're big. It seems like they might be very chewy or well, fatty. Small seals aren't big. That's it's right there in the name. So seals are smaller than you think. <laughs> Some harbor seals, but yeah. But I think when you when you being w- from Alaska, have you eaten a seal or a walrus? I have had uh, walrus. I have had whale blubber in uh, like dried form. I had the chance to eat whale a couple weeks ago in Norway, and I did not do it. Yeah, you should have tried felt, it. But I hear it's I hear it's good. It's like the the firmest fish you ever yeah ate with a real kind of nice beefy. Texture. I had I had bear not very long ago in Estonia. It was gamey. Was it like in some kind of form? Like was it in a sausage or something? Or could you actually was it a big you could it was a big a, hunk of bear? It was in a sausage. You could get a bear steak, but I felt like that was. I feel like in a sausage, everything tastes like sausage. Like yeah. people would be like, "Hey, have this rattlesnake sausage. Have this alligator. Guess what? It tastes like sausage. It well, tastes like cumin or whatever you put in it. You know, alligator alligator tastes like uh, crawdads or whatever. It just tastes like a. It's just a giant. It's like a crustacean. It's just a giant crawdad. Yeah. What a what a, a newsflash for the future. Uh-huh. That alligators are a giant <laughs> shrimp of some kind. <laughs> it's the other. It's the other other white meat. <laughs> the other pink meat. Uh, but it's very sad that these monkeys are getting bush meated to death mm. because they are. I don't want to say that. You know, maybe this is a selfie culture thing. I don't want to say that only beautiful animals should survive, but certainly, especially beautiful animals should survive. Well, and, all right. And this is <laughs> like if we have time, we can save the ugly ones. Sure, sure, sure. But if you're making an arc and you've got an ugly monkey and a beautiful monkey, this is a very striking, dignified looking monkey. It's it's not an ape, but because it has the, it's got black fur, it's kind of got the coloration of a mountain gorilla. Let me ask you, which th- makes it look very noble. Let me ask you this: What if it turns out that 
the ugly monkeys are the ones that understand science better. And the beautiful monkeys are like, oh, they're so beautiful, but they turn out to be really callow. So it's just like humans, (laughs) is what you're saying. (laughs) I say save all monkeys. If I'm putting them in a zoo where I'm going to look at them... I see. If it's just I want a, the pretty ones. Just if I'm, a pleasure monkey. If I, if, I want to, if I want them to write my dissertation, if I'm going to give them right. a million typewriters, right. you're right. Maybe I do want the kind of the nerdy Exactly. The nerdy when you monkeys. open the door to the million monkeys at a million typewriters, you don't want a bunch of beautiful monkeys all, all grooming themselves. So this is, this you is want the them monkey, laboring away. This is the monkey I want on the runway, right? This is runway monkey. He's, they've, they've got kind of a tuft of black hair running down the center of their head, so it's kind of, it's kind of a cute, kind of a, a sassy look. So this is the uh, like pri- it's the Pris rather than the Leon. Exactly. Okay. Wait, I don't understand this <laughs> metaphor at all. Are these characters in Lil Abner? No, uh, that's a that's a Blade Runner reference. I'm oh right, Pris. Oh yeah, yeah. Pris is Daryl Hannah. That's right. Leon is the she's a pleasure model. Leon is the big. He's like the, he's the guy from Newhart. <laughs> <laughs> right? He's, uh, he's This is Larry and your brother, Daryl. Uh, no, uh, Leon is the Leon's the one that doesn't pass the Voight-Kampf test. Oh, Leon dies immediately. He's the doughy one at the beginning. Yeah, well, not immediately, but yeah, later. Well, no, later. He's He <laughs> he has the famous scene with Deckard where he slaps the gun out of his hand, and then the after he... Oh, boy, I don't want to get into the whole plot of Blade Runner here. Doesn't the guy who doesn't pass the test die immediately? Isn't that the first time you see the Voight-Kampf? No? No. Well, no. No, he he kills the the Voight Kant operator. Oh, right. Leon's Escapes. like, yeah, he's okay. like, what are you asking me about my mom for or whatever? And then he, I'm really tempted to cut in all this, cut out all this part where I don't remember the plot of Blade Runner because I feel bad. That no, I, don't I feel the plot like of Blade I feel Runner. like it's got to it's got to stay in so people have a full and complete understanding of you. They you know they don't think you're just some fine. I got two of the replicants confused. I got the one played by the Newhart guy. <laughs> And the kind of the doughy one confused. Sorry. The Newhart guy was not a replicant. Oh, right. He's he just was, Pris's boyfriend. No, he wasn't Pris's boyfriend. He was make. He's, he's, he's a toy maker. He's a toy maker. He's part of the... He might actually be a replicant. That's yeah, that's my, the, that's my conspiracy one theory. One of the crazy things. But he's he works for the Tyrell Corporation. Oh, boy. I, you know what? Why does I, he make those creepy... Uh, I want this toy taken out just because I'm such a nerd. <laughs> This is all just a ploy of mine to uh, to get you to go through Blade Runner scene by scene. I'm, so, I'm supposed to be the cool one on this show, and I sound like a total ding dong. I don't know. It's the one with the uh. Leon is not the toy maker. Ken, I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Mm. Uh, so I'm just what was I? I was saying that this monkey is very hot. It's a hot monkey. You're it's striking brown eyes, like oh. it, you know how monkeys because they look like humans. Some monkeys are kind of in this uncanny valley where you're like you too human. Like you look like you look more like a, human than a human. Just like you're like one of the coaches in Madden, where you don't want to look at them because they're they kind of look like the real coach, but also they're kind of like scarily moving wrong. Have you ever stared into the eyes of a of a of a gorilla at the zoo? I I do that all the time. It's insane. Yeah, you do. So these have the gorilla like effect where you do feel like this is a person and should not be in this enclosure. This is an angry person. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I and I'm grateful it's in an enclosure this right now. Is, this, this person has been here for 60 years and is rightfully pissed. I would rather he be free, but not free right this second. As soon as I leave the zoo. As soon as I'm in the gift shop. In 2008, a British photographer named David Slater 
uh, which is the ultimate British photographer name. It's pretty good. David Slater. He uh, heads to Sulawesi because he's seen pictures of these uh, macaques, That's photogenic macaques. British photojournalists do. Wants to take a picture of them. He's probably heard David Attenborough talk about them. 90% of the world's macaques live in these rugged jungles. Uh, but he, he finds he can't get cl- – he finds where the macaques live. He finds he can't get, clo- he can't get close enough to get the kinds of – shots he wants hmm. i've found that to be true in every every discotheque you go to <laughs> where the beautiful monkeys are the beautiful monkeys just keep dancing away you from can't him get past that velvet rope uh so he comes up with a different plan which is to put up a tr- set up a tripod and see what happens so it's he, he sets up basically uh, one of those photo Photo booths at a wedding. Click, 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 click. <laughs> it's like, you, you go, you go for it. If I under, sometimes this is reported as if it's an automatic tripwire camera, yeah. which is a kind of a thing. Like, a, my dad sent me a picture of it. When I asked him about some of the legal issues in this case, he sent me a very long legal opinion about the monkey selfie case, including pictures from the thirties of, uh, of washing bears being, you know, triggered at night in the, in the, in 1903, a photographic trap where a light turns on and a camera shutter takes a quick photo as soon as the raccoon we see that all the time in the sort of natural, naturalistic, or I'm sorry, the naturalist world where a, a previously um, assumed to be extinct species is revealed in a Just nighttime sw- photo. Swims up, yeah. yeah. Uh, in this case, I think Slater is actually holding the tripod and he, you know, he's, he's changed all the settings. He's got the, the shutter and the color and the angle the way he wants it, the lens the way he wants it. Um, but he wants to see what the monkeys will do. And, and, and once he's, I guess, I think he's still there holding the tripod. But he's kind of facing away and pretending not to pay attention to the monkeys. And just like in a club, that's when they come over Exactly. and they start goofing around with the camera and he, he gets, he, they, they trigger the camera. They, 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 whatever he's done to let them activate it, it takes a shot. And he put, he, he put, he put the trigger inside a banana. <laughs> he's clever like that. <laughs> He, does, he looks at the pictures, he thinks he can do better, makes further adjustments, See. and the monkeys come back, and this time he gets the sexiest monkey selfie ever taken in history. It's, uh, it's perfectly framed. The monkey is kind of diagonal in the frame, larger than life. Mm-hmm. He's grinning. If, if, uh, I hope we can place this in the omnibus so whoever is listening to this in whatever era can see this picture. The monkey appears to be grinning winningly. Uh, it's, a, it's like a cover of Interview Magazine. He immediately thinks this is going to be a cover of National Geographic. Yes. This thing is going to be big. He, know, he can see it immediately. And uh, after uh, you know a matter of weeks, he is able to sell it to the Daily Mail, and it, sure enough, it goes immediately viral on the internet. Everyone oh, because the monkey is picture. actually smiling. Yes, the, I, the I, don't, I don't know if it is. Like when monkeys bare their teeth, sometimes it's aggressive. But he's but he's mugging. He's right. got he's got a he's got a, a kind of like a chilled out, stoned look on his face, and he's like, "Check me out." It's just what we like about selfies. The, 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 the personality of the photographer has come through in the picture, even yes. though in this case, the monkey is just kind of setting off the camera pseudo-accidentally. Well, is that is that the case? That becomes the crux of the uh, five-year, wow. seven-year no uh, back and forth over this picture. Um, now, let me, let me uh, just jump in here and say that I have a personal anecdote which uh, that's uh, that's somewhat relevant here. Okay, great. Now, getting back to the monkey, <laughs> my daughter was impossible to photograph as a child because if she she is a vampire, uh, that and also if she was aware a camera was pointed at her, she from a very young age would plaster on a kind of like here's my camera face 
and her here's my camera face was was it it felt to me even when she was three years old that it was dripping with contempt so is, you're like, is it a smile but like a rigor mortis a rigor mortis a- smile and so a lot of photographs like her school photos and those important life life moment photos of her are and i mean this is just me as her father who wants her to be you know to look her best in photos she just looks like the, the look on her face is telling you to go die and of course, I, I I made the classic mistake of trying to intervene uh, when she was young. Like, oh no, smile! You know, smile, smile differently. Like, tickle, tickle, which just which just reinforced the problem. But when she was in first grade, a photographer came to her school and handed the the uh, trigger to the children and said, you know, sit on this sit on this stool and take a photograph of yourself and. The greatest photograph of her, uh, and and I think maybe the greatest photograph that it will it will be the the picture that defines her the rest of her life is this picture that she took of herself with this trigger. And when I talk to her about it and say, "How did you, <clears throat> you know, how did you pose? How did you know to take such a candid, lovely photograph?" She says, "Huh? I didn't. I was." I wasn't sure what he was trying to do, and I just pushed the button. I don't remember even pushing the button. Like she, she was not consciously taking she, a selfie. She couldn't see herself, like you, like you no. can in a forward-facing camera. No, she just sat on a she just sat on a stool, and and as far as I can tell, accidentally triggered it, and and it utterly captured her essence. Um, and whether and and she denies authorship of it, right? When I say. God, that was like it's such you a. You took a great picture, Marlo. Because because it really is. I mean, it hangs in our house. Um, but she 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 takes no ownership over it. According to Slater, the monkeys could see themselves because they they were looking they were looking at their own reflection in the lens. So while they're goofing around with the triggering device, you know his his actual take is that the monkeys were kind of aware of what they were doing. Huh. That they were they were not just curiously happened to be looking in the right direction. But that um, they understood how tools worked and how cameras. Well, they didn't understand. They didn't understand they were creating an image, but you know they were definitely admiring themselves because the lens reflected their their faces. Right, and then and that, and that is conveyed in this picture. This this uh, the seminal one. It looks like this monkey's looking at its reflection. In 2014, uh, after this picture has kind of gone viral on the internet um wikimedia commons which is the <laughs> famous world famous troll organization <laughs> it's the outfit behind wikipedia that's that kind of stores all the public domain media they, they have you know if you want a super high-res picture of a um el greco painting or some 19th century photograph or a, some document by lincoln or something you know they probably have a very high quality public domain scanner they exist just to provide this stuff to the world with a creative commons license i think uh and they posted this uh picture of a crested macaque under the theory that uh the artist the 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 one who took the picture was the monkey and copyright cannot vest in a non-human author and therefore this picture is public in the public domain this is this absolutely comports with my feeling about wikimedia commons where which is what that it's a huge uh, uh, trollish provocateur. I mean, they, outfit. They just uh, the 
the the open source community is is wonderful and I love them. Um, but like, but I've had every time artists say this, <laughs> I've had I've had friends who have gotten into arguments with ba- basically anonymous wiki editors who are sitting somewhere kind of making this sort of philosophical determination of what is and what isn't. Um, and because they are volunteers, right? They're kind of gatekeepers, access keepers, they have plenty of free time. They don't have jobs and they put themselves in a position of, you know, that it's a, it's a, it's the wild west out there and they become authorities. Right. And there, I had a, I had a friend that had a radio program that was on NPR and a wiki editor, uh, ruled that the that the show didn't warrant its own Wikipedia entry. This happened to a friend of mine. He literally got canceled from Wikipedia after a long debate about whether you know whether he was notable enough to get an entry. Notable enough, and and their argument was, we're on NPR. It's an NPR program, and he and this this editor, you know, sitting uh, tilted his fedora back and said, Nope, I don't think that it's a I don't think the show is prominent enough to... Now, let me go back to editing my list of chronological errors in Star Trek Voyager episodes. But what's great about this is that the wiki, the Wikimedia editor saw this situation and had to have sat and formulated this argument. Wait a minute. The monkey took the picture. Therefore, this is... This is public domain. It absolutely is in their interest to broaden the definition of public domain as far as possible. But that's a genius. And and the thing is, it's a it's it it's now been in the courts for eight years. But it's just one like volunteer anonymous wiki editor that sets this whole clockwork in motion. And it feels it's it. I just I hear the troll. I hear the 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 troll voice just dripping off of this. Uh, David Slater did as well. He immediately sued to try to get the rights to his picture back. Because sued who? He sued Wikimedia Commons. Oh. A- and you can see why. Like, this is the best picture he's ever taken. Right. It's maybe the best most he ever got paid for a picture. He flew all the way to... And suddenly the world has told him that, uh, no, sorry, your your best work is actually belongs to the universe because it was a six-year-old crested macaque that pressed the trigger, <laughs> not you. And that macaque has no legal standing. Cannot, yeah, it's, right. That's a double. That's a double triple whammy. Right, uh, and then things get even. Speaking of trollish provocateurs in our culture, things get even worse the next year when PETA gets involved. Oh, here we go. PETA sees an opening. <laughs> <laughs> they sue Slater to say that the, the picture should not be in the public domain or the right should not be in the, uh, should not rest with the photographer. The right should rest with the monkey. They want a test case showing that monkeys uh, that animals can have ownership over their creative oh, work. the trolls are just lining up. Because this pushes their idea that, you know, the, the more legal status, human-like legal status animals can have, the better for them. I'm super embarrassed right now that I don't have a trollish take on this where I, where I could somehow step in and also file suit on behalf of what? Yeah, who, who do you think should have? <laughs> I feel like if you said- The tree up, in the background. You should have some yeah. kind of nature conservancy that says this, this tree owns its own likeness rights. Right. Uh, according to the law of the state of California, I want to find a California judge that will agree that this teak tree should not be allowed to be in this picture. If you set up a camera that was triggered when a tree uh, branch blew in the wind and the tree took a photograph of itself when the wind blew, 
With the tree on the copyright? With that's the exactly wind? The, that's exactly the kind of edge case you get into. My dad pointed out that you could actually set up a microscope so that when a little uh, uh, amoeba entered the field of view and put out its little pseudopod, it triggered a camera. Would that amoeba then have the rights to y- your microscope picture? Cut to, uh, cut to uh, someone in a PETA office. And of course, PETA maybe doesn't even think this is a real no, legal case. If you've, ever seen, if you've ever seen their modus operandi, it's to do outrageous things and get ink for the plight of animals, and they don't care how patently dumb the thing is, um, or, or even how kind of evil it is. I got asked once by PETA to do a, to do a spot for them about just not tying up your dog in your backyard. And of course... I love my dog. I don't tie up my dog. I would love to do that. But I didn't want my name associated with the kind of grandstanding that PETA does. You, you, didn't want, <clears throat> you didn't want a picture of you standing out in front of the opera throwing a bucket of blood on some poor lady's coat? I'm just holding up the sign that says, <laughs> I'd rather, what is I'd rather go naked than wear fur? I mean, so PETA will, if, if you don't know in the future, PETA is, a, is an animal rights organization. Um, People for the ethical treatment of animals. Which is kind of criticized by um, normal people for their kind of outrageous stunts and by animal rights weirdos for being insufficiently for being, you know, media savvy instead of, uh, militant. Um, But over, but we should note, we here at Omnibus believe in the overarching project of animals being recognized as sentient and, uh, creatures that do have agency and, and do have, a measure of rights. And we are not just kissing up because we think you might be lobsters or jellyfish. No. Uh, we we support animal rights in all its forms. But PETA will do things like... Maybe uh, not all its forms. I mean, I do... Like PETA has done... Eat them. So. PETA has done art installations called Holocaust on Your Plate where photos of from slaughterhouses are juxtaposed with photos from Nazi concentration camps. Right. Thus irritating Jews for all the obvious reasons. Right. And, or one called Our Animals the New Slaves, where you know chickens in awful chicken farms are juxtaposed with photos of pre-Civil War black slaves in America. And they want you to be pissed off. They, they love all the, the grandstanding articles that are going to be written about this because it just makes people think more about whether they should eat meat. In a, in a way, they are the perfect – they are the exemplars of our time. They, right? they created <laughs> – culture because they were doing like, this in magazine ads before yeah. the internet was a thing like these are bad takes but they've been really but. they've been really great at, at the internet like recently they uh put all they brought all their uh their lobbying fury to bear on the town of fishkill new york hoping mm-hmm. it would change its name that's genius <laughs> i mean that's i could get behind that they don't they don't really care they right. know that fishkill new york is maybe not even etymologically related to the killing of fish i have no idea but no, they don't a, a kill is a is like a slew Ah, okay. I don't know what a slew is, but is it a little bit like a kill? Uh, a slew and a kill are very similar to one another. Yeah, it's like a... Um, are they a kind of estuary? It is a little bit of an estuary. Let's just yeah. pretend it's a kind of estuary so yeah. I can nod and So it's on. not fish kill, like kill the fish. It's like fish estuary. This, fish. Is, a, this is a kill where fish live. Fish slew. Right. And, and PETA doesn't care. They just want, The more hours a day I spend getting mad at them is the more hours I spend thinking about the way we treat animals, which they think is patently... Uh, mean and unfair and is that they're not wrong well i mean we live in a in a region where environmentalists have uh, routinely burned down and blown up um buildings and and equipment used to harvest timber mm-hmm. um and most famously recently um they burned down the university of washington horticulture center at great expense i mean it hasn't it's not recent it's recent 
for those of us that are 1,000 years old. In but. geological time, <laughs> this uh, happened in the late 20th century. It's recent to you. But these were, these were arguments that we, in alternative culture, really were bandying about 25 years ago. Like, is it, is it morally justifiable to, um, to burn down the University of Washington Horticulture Center because they are – because some small part of it is working t- to – to chop down trees. Interestingly, a lot of these monkey wrench guys have no respect for PETA. They think they are just clowns who are not out there doing the real work right. because they're not um, blowing up primate research labs. Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's Musician. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com start that's unlimited access to thousands of lessons exercises and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks just go to musician.com slash start that's y-o-u-s-i-c-i-a-n.com slash start so but so Pete files this suit thinking how great would this be imagine the headlines like monkey wins copyright to his own <laughs> weirdly in their filing they name the macaque which I don't know why they would have any basis to do that. What do they call him? They call him Naruto. I assume after the anime. I want to say some wrong things about Naruto so you can correct me at great length. Oh my God. (laughs) How did this get into a a weeaboo episode? In the first season of Naruto, Ken, I don't know anything about Naruto, but I think it's, I think it's manga or anime anyway. And you might ask what's, what legal standing would PETA have to file this? And they argued that they would have next friend standing. The next friend principle in law means that if, for some reason, somebody's uh, out of commission, physically unable to file a uh, suit on, on their own behalf, then... And there's no family member. Right, that someone else can. And Peter says, well, who if, you know, the, the macaque can't. Right. If not us, who? If, if not a prominent animal rights organization if like not, us, who? now, when? <laughs> exactly. So there's two simultaneous suits going on. Who owns this photo? Is it Slater? Is it Naruto, <laughs> the, the uh, scurrilously named monkey? Or is it no one? Uh, is it the universe? And it, it really, I mean, the, the thing it starts me thinking is um, that this whole idea, that the whole idea of, of copyright ownership and, in fact, modern society is all just a jam up and that really we're yes. all just naked monkeys and none of this is real. That's why I've been resampling all the Longwinders <laughs> records for my dance videos. Money is fake. And there's nothing you can do about and it. And everything is fake. So I said earlier that, uh, that Slater filed suit against wikimedia commons i don't think he ever actually did that in any legal theater i think it oh. was i think he he sent a he sent letters and said please remove my photo he filed suit in the court of public, court of public opinion. opinion and of course that you know the tech world you know we turned into a thousand monkeys writing sure. think pieces Ars about Technica. this uh but wikimedia ended up leaving the leaving the photo up and as you point out like it's certainly in their interest to have the broadest possible definition of the public domain right uh, and Wikimedia is uh, is often in controversy because well, and it's the it's the whole thing of the internet. If you let it, if you leave it wide open, 
than the child pornographers and the, you know, the like murder people all rush in. And as soon as you try to limit them and, and put restrictions on it, then all of a sudden the freedom of species and the, the, um, Everything, you know, the, the libertarians, the intellectual libertarians all are like, wait a minute, who's in charge now? So you have to decide who's worse, pedophiles or libertarians. And that's tricky. It is tricky. <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, they're both all pretty right. bad. Uh, but the, uh, both sides can. But the PETA case actually does go to, in front of a district court judge who immediately dismisses it saying no animals can't own copyright like this is ridiculous sure he probably wrote lol right on his decision PETA appeals to the ninth circuit of course they do and and maybe that outcome's in a little more jeopardy every time you give five dollars to PETA this is where they're spending it uh yeah the ninth circuit court of appeals has just a massive room full of PETA filings out back and uh in this case uh before a judgment can be reached Slater and PETA reach a settlement whereby he agrees to donate a certain number of revenue from the photo to wildlife preserves wow. in Sulawesi. So it seems like he that seems out of character for PETA. <laughs> yeah, but it seems like he was going to do that anyway. He's having a rough. He's having a rough time. You know, he has lo- he has already lost because of the Wikimedia stuff. He has lost a ton of revenue. He estimates that he's lost ten thousand pounds from the you know so over ten thousand dollars from the. Uh, loss of from losing the rights of this picture he can't even pay his own lawyer he's thinking of becoming a tennis coach or a dog walker getting out of of wildlife photography altogether because he can't make a go of it that's a common thread of a creative person who's been backed against the wall they say you know what i'm just going to quit and become a tennis coach i think it's more like it's because most uh creative people are actually supplementing their income as a tennis coach or a dog walker i certainly am (laughs) So you can always say that, right? <laughs> or an omnibus podcaster. Uh, interestingly, I was looking up kind of what the similar case law might be, and the case law is actually trending toward the photographer and away from the monkey in this case. Uh, photographers are getting broader and broader rights on what their intellectual property rights, uh, what their intellectual property consists of. This Here's a couple of eye-opening 2011 cases. One is the case of Ava Marie Painter versus Standard Verlogs, some kind of Austrian or German newspaper. She took a picture, a portrait of just a child at some point, which later got widespread when the child was kidnapped a few years later, and that was the only photo that existed. So the photo was spread far and wide, and when the child was eventually recovered after some awful surviving in a basement ordeal, uh, the newspapers used kind of a stylized digital version of, of her photograph to illustrate uh, the story, and she sued, and the courts found that no, I mean, even the, even though this is just a kind of a Sears portrait kind of a thing, there were creative decisions involved, and she should have rights that trump the rights of the public to to see an illustrated version of the kidnapping story of the true crime needs of the public. I guess the weirder case in Britain is Temple Islands Collection Limited versus New English Teas Limited. Temple Island is an outfit that somehow owned the rights to an iconic photo of a, of a double-decker London bus crossing West, Westminster Bridge right in front of the Houses of Parliament and Big Ben. Maybe you've seen the picture. Uh, as it's usually printed, the bus is, is brightly tinted red, whereas the rest of the photograph is monochrome. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, a thing you can get a print of at Ikea. It's an iconic souvenir thing that you could put on your wall at Ikea next to your Eiffel Tower print and your Audrey Hepburn's face right. print. Uh, and, uh, in this case, new English teas wanted to license it for the 
their tin of tea. It, it appears on a lot of souvenirs. And they couldn't come to a deal with the rights holders, so New English Teas went out on the bridge and took a picture from a slightly different angle of a bus uh-huh. crossing Westminster Bridge with Big Ben and the Houses of Parliament looking much as they do, and tinted it to match the effect in the original photo. Uh-huh. And Temple Island Collection sued, saying, it's not just that we own that particular photo. The photographer's work was all coming up with the idea to yeah. take a photo like this and so if you just duplicate his work, then we own the rights to the idea of a single bus crossing London Bridge or crossing Westminster Bridge, which seems like a bit of an overreach to me. But the court found for the original bus rights holders saying that, yeah, you got to take into account things like motif and visual angle and illumination. And the tea company said, hey, we've got prior art. People have taken pictures like this of a bus and used it on souvenirs. And the court said, oh, that's actually not relevant here. Really? Like, these guys now apparently own not just their photo, but the idea of taking a photo like that, which gives a photographer like Slater or anybody else very broad rights to what they can say they own. Well, it's a... Within within my own artistic community, uh, about 10 years ago... Uh, between between five and ten years ago, there was a lot of of um, controversy around the idea, which is, which seems to be a very new notion, that documenting someone else's performance is in and of itself a artwork. What are we thinking about here? Like a, a photo at a concert? Um, or, no, or recording a recording someone's a bootleg of a yeah somebody yeah right a bootleg of someone's comedy performance mm. is your own creative work. So I would do these festivals and comedians are, are traditionally say, please don't record my performance. I'm just trying out new material or you know the the novelty of a joke um, is an important <clears throat> sort of part of its saleability, right? You don't want to go see a comedy show where you know all the jokes already. And there was a lot of pushback from the from the community of the fans, the fans, because people people really asserted that their art was recording your comedy. Performance. That's the true artist, the guy who thought of pressing a button on his phone. So it's a as as recording things as to the technology um, of being able to capture and archive things gets more and more varied and the ability to, I mean, in, in the past it was, it was a storage problem. Like how the heck would you, you're not going to take a two inch tape machine to a concert, right? Bootleggers, it all sounded terrible, but now if you a hundred years ago, you'd have to go into the gallery and paint a copy of the painting. Yeah, you know, this right. is, this is all very new stuff over, over human history. But so, so do, does, the, does a person who just sets up a camera and pushes record, do they have, like, what are their rights to that recording? Um, and do those rights trump the rights of the person that, I mean, I've had people refuse to let me use photographs they've taken of me, not for commercial purposes, but just like, hey, that picture, it's really great. I'd like to have a copy of it. And they're like, well, not a, know. not a professional photographer, a fan. Uh, no professional photographer that has. I've, I've had that happen to me. That's taken a picture of me and then put their watermark across it, right. and I'm like, <clears throat> you know, that's great and everything, but like, it's of me. I've asked for a quote for a for a, a 
a picture of me yeah. for, you know, that I, could I, well, what would it take to have me have, you know, rights to this and to use this in perpetuity? And it was thousands of dollars yeah, for right. a picture of me in front of a white background. Which seems weird. I mean, and I, I, I don't know what the legal, uh, what the legal language would say in a situation where I was like, well, I don't want you to use a photograph of me. I was raised by, my dad's an intellectual property lawyer. Right. So I was raised with stories about prior art and likelihood of confusion. This was my, this was the mother's milk. This I is what you sat around the dinner table out. talking about. So I asked, I asked my dad about the monkey selfie case in particular. And he says that the two prong test for infringement is uh, generally access and similarity. Um, if, uh, you know, if, if, if a, if a, if a derivative work is very similar to yours and in a case like these, it's, it's identical. It's somebody recording something that someone said. So similarity is a hundred percent and access just means, you know, could they have, you don't need, you don't even need evidence that they were intentionally trying to copy the work. If they had access to it, that's how you can get somebody like George Harrison, you know, to this day thinks he did not consciously copy the chiffons. He's so fine when right. he wrote my sweet Lord. But when the judge saw that the chord changes were all the same and that Harrison said, yeah, of course I know that song. It's a classic. I heard that on the radio all the time. That's that that's game over. Cause he had access and similarity. Uh, it doesn't matter whether he meant to, it doesn't matter what his intention is. Um, and so, you know, it's a, it's a really, it's a really tricky area. Like what it, it, it brings up the question of what art even is, you know, right. if art is not, art's not the set of pixels. If art is just the idea of, and that's kind of what art has become, right? The more conceptual art gets, my installation is this guy hitting himself in the groin with a hammer. Right. Then, you know, somebody could be copying that even if it was a different person in a different gallery and a different hammer. This is not a pipe. The idea, exactly. The idea is still there once my, art becomes uh, more reproducible. My art is you being outraged at me stealing your art. <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes The Monkey Selfie. Entry 803-MT2220. Certificate number 2720 in the brand new independent Omnibus. Or as we call it, Omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, please remember, populate your feed with occasional selfies. It doesn't have to just be selfies. It shouldn't be. If you have some physical corporeal form that does not allow, does not stop the passage of light and therefore does not leave a filmic image. Um, you have options. Perhaps you could write a poem hmm. or leave us some kind of uh, a, a printout of your waveform right. every time you uh, A you tattoo of your heartbeat? Sure. Uh, it doesn't have to be visual. And, a ta- and by tattoo, I mean the usage of the word tattoo to mean a rat-a-tat-tat. Like a, like a snare drum. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean by a tattoo. Like yeah. when I say I'm going to go get a tattoo... I mean, mean, I want to walk into a parlor where somebody gets a snare drum and plays a little Pogues tattoo at me. You can go to our social media feeds at Omnibus Project. There are zero selfies there, although maybe that's going to change. Should we start posting selfies? Something. I mean, so far we've only posted. I guess isn't the banner of that site a selfie? Oh, that's right. I guess we didn't take it. My sister took that. Does it count if your sister takes it? Huh. I mean, where, we, made, we made a lot of the creative choices in that picture. Where my where my identity and my sister's identity uh, blend, where the where a body meets a body coming through the rye. 
We did not just hand your sister a triggering device and she accidentally did monkey faces and pressed a no true and pressed a button while somebody played the didgeridoo at her no, chakras. She she has the copyright to that photo. She does. Uh, but you can go to at Ken Jennings and at John Roderick where you will find the uh, the the tweets. Um, which are a form of selfie. Ken is always um, I find selfieing. That, I find that even when words. I like take a picture of like a, you know, if I'm promoting a book or a friend's book, I will put the book in my hand for some reason to make the fo- to make the post a little more selfie like to make there the connection is. a little more corporeal. It's Ken. He's real. I, I can prove I own this book. My hand is holding it. And log, the, but then people just, log. Do you know what people do? Then they just own your nails. Uh, They'll just be like, nice nice nails, dummy, or well, way he, to scratch your thumb, loser. And then there's always the person that's like, I can trace your location through the reflection <laughs> in your fingernails. <laughs> One of my favorite things is eBay photos where the photographer is nude. Yeah. Have you seen this? Somebody, oh, selling sure. a, somebody selling a bottle or a TV. I remember <laughs> them when they were on, uh, when they were like in the penny saver. I mean, that's a lot. That's an old trick. Like, check out these shiny hubcaps I've got for sale. And you were always using it to try to see a guy in his jockeys yeah i was hoping that i could, <laughs> could that, sneak uh, a peek <laughs> maybe get a little glint um anyway uh you can email us at the omnibus project at gmail.com and send us by all means send us your selfies uh ken will filter them and only send me the good ones i will only send you on the not safe for work ones mm-hmm. um i'm on instagram which as we've already discussed is like selfie paradise Ken is not. He's there. He just lurks. I don't think I've ever posted anything. I just look at pictures of my nieces and you, nephews. You make snarky comments every once in a while. Just for you. Yeah. Uh, you. Uh, we strongly encourage you, especially now that Omnibus is an independent enterprise, to go to our Facebook Futurelings group, the Omnibus Futurelings. I know that you probably don't like Facebook. I know you have a lot of reservations about it. Listen, you and me both, friend. But we have gotten rid of one of the... Uh possibly problematic corporate partners. So <laughs> so the FutureLeaks page is, is, you know, twice as uh, as woke now. Yeah, it's super woke. It's super, it's a free zone. Come hang out there. Uh, the pe- people there are very smart. Everything they post belongs to us. I almost never get super bent out of shape about somebody's post and go leave a long, uh, like, uh, haughty, uh, outraged post. Uh, response. You just text it to me instead. <laughs> it happens sometimes, though. I won't deny it. Uh, also, you can send us things like uh, Polaroid selfies and your grandpa's old sunglasses. I wear your granddad's clothes. <laughs> send I us look a, incredible. Send us a photo of you reflected in your grandpa's Ray-Bans. Uh, to P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. If they wanted to send us digital things, they could send it to... I said already, the Omnibus Project oh, at gmail.com. And if they wanted to send us uh, financial support, where would they do that, John? At Patreon slash Omnibus Project. project. Patreon.com slash Omnibus Project. Patreon.com slash Omnibus slash Omnibus Project is where you can become a supporter and a, and a member. Are we, uh, should we, we say members? that? Are you going to be a member? Yeah, be a member. What do I mean? This is a, a tote bag. This is kind of an academic uh, project, right? What do those kinds of things have? They have, uh, like, if you go to the ballet, like, oh, right, supporters, supporters? right, um, patrons, patrons. That's it's right there in the name, Patreon. Do you think they know that? Do you think that they know that if they got rid of the e, it would just be patron? That's I, an, what a fortuitous coincidence. I know the I know the people that started Patreon, and I think they do know that. 
Listeners, from our vantage point here in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. Now that the show's independent, we're hoping for a while. You you seem seem really, like, moved. Well, I was just thinking, like, if this this really is the last show and we put out one independent omnibus (laughs) and then the meteor hits, boy, will our faces be red. Uh, And probably the rest of our, our body, briefly. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come, but... If the meteor comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word to you, the first and last independent omnibus. But we certainly hope that Providence will allow us to return to you soon for another entry in the omnibus. (laughs) 